0: So, who isn't? Can you get the sigh? (laughs) Jason, I want you to emphasize the deep sigh on that one. everybody. Welcome to The Human Element, Kara's new podcast about finding humanity in modern marketing. I'm so excited. This is our first one, or our first real one. We did that sort of five-minute intro uh, the other week. I am joined by some fantastic colleagues of mine who I'm going to ask to introduce themselves and tell their titles.
1: Ooh, titles.
0: I know. Well, that's, that's what matters in advertising. Anyway. <laughs> I'm going to go this way.
2: Oh, okay. Me, Alexander May, and I'm director of global strategy for Microsoft primarily.
3: Angela Steele. I'm the Chief Strategy Officer for CARA. Danielle Hemsley. I'm a Director of Insights, but I wish that was Director of Human Understanding.
0: Well, why don't we just change it? I mean, it's not like we have a lot of rules here. Well, maybe we do, and I'm just too new to understand what the rules are. So, let's do this. I'm really excited to talk about some work you guys have been doing around where culture and brands and political movements all intersect. So, Angela, you did a panel yesterday for Adweek that kind of talked about this. It was entitled same planet different worlds which is kind of the work that we've been doing uh, under that banner. If you wouldn't mind sort of setting up the context of that and then we can kind of dive in is that cool?
1: Yeah, that's great. So the the premise behind the same planet different world work is really the culmination of things that have been happening over the last several years. It's not something that we just did overnight, but we first started observing patterns in society and behavior years ago around the most recent election, and it started to make us think, how is society changing? How are political views changing? What's real versus what is perceived because of media, and are there implications for brands? So we started looking into that and what we found is that there really are political divides that are starting to take place and it's not just political divides but it's also impacting what we have as preferences in terms of consumers and what brands we prefer and what activities we enjoy doing and we started to look at things through different lenses and one of the things that we we found is that there are these divisions but there are also things that unite us but one of the most important things that we can do as CARA and as agencies is to help brands understand how to navigate this new world. And the fact that we do all live on the same planet, but we're coming from different worlds sometimes.
0: So what are the things that jumped out at you in doing this work? What are the surprises at first? Danielle, from your perspective, anything jump out?
3: So mine's a little on the lighter side. Foursquare shared some data with us, and apparently um, who goes to nudist beaches more and also vapes more is actually Republicans, which I (laughs) would have thought those two to be more on the liberal side of the world.
0: I think the last time we talked about this, we talked about, you know, you go so far around the other side of the circle, you become libertarian. So it's, you know, there are no (laughs) rules there. So one of the things that that struck me as I was talking to you guys earlier is places where there are connection points and common ground. Can you guys talk to me a little bit about where those spaces are?
1: Where we saw divides were things around politics, things around preferences of media, but the thing that united people were things that I would consider to be core human spirit values. Things like, I want to be better as an individual. Things like, I long for simpler times and for technology to not be such a dominant
3: force in our lives. Yeah, and building on what Angela's saying there, there was another data point that we had that people sometimes feel the need to disconnect from technology. And I think it shows that as humans, we're all kind of exhausted, that our attention's being grabbed 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And that doesn't matter if you're liberal, if you're conservative, people are just vying for your attention all the time. And it's it's tiring.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is, and I don't, mean this politically at all and it's not an original observation but someone has coined this the exhaustion presidency and I and I think in a lot of ways that's true it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on it's like oh my goodness you know there's 50 major breaking news things a day you just you can't you can't consume it all
2: depressing as well. <laughs> I mean, Khaki, having to look at it day in, day out, it gets you down. Um, and that's where there's an opportunity for brands to actually unite people and, and lift the spirit.
0: Yeah, and, I, and that's a space that brands have always tried to play in, or at least a lot of brands have tried to play in. So let's talk about that. Where are brands being successful, and, and where else can they be successful in this space?
2: Well, I think it comes down to Authenticity. It has to live and breathe throughout the organization. And, you know, I'm very lucky to work on a client, uh, Microsoft, that encapsulates that. They have one of the most inspiring mission statements which is to empower every person and organization on the world to achieve more Um, and they're a company that's about sort of taking everybody with them on that journey it's about inclusivity it's about helping those less fortunate they're backing that up by creating products that are going to benefit those people but they also benefit everybody else as well in the meantime. And they back it up in their communications and their marketing. It's from, I would say, from the root to the fruit. As a result, they're doing incredibly well from a brand perspective um, in consumers' eyes.
1: Building on that point and having heard Microsoft speak a couple of times this week and being on a panel on this topic myself, two things that came out that are important as it relates to authenticity are having a true cultural change. It needs to be part of the core DNA of the company. It can't just be something that lives in a mission statement. And if you listen to people from Microsoft talk about what it took to make that mission statement real... It was a real cultural change, and they've been on a four and a half year cultural change journey to help make that mission statement part of who they are as a company. And then the other piece of it is consistency. Everything they do over time consistently goes back to that mission statement.
2: Yeah, it's hard work, right? You know, you have to really believe in it to, to make it actually happen. Yeah, this being real and human stuff, it's it's not easy. Yeah. <laughs> Can't we just be fake and like that's
0: just a lot easier? Um, one of the things that strikes me about Microsoft as an example. Example, I too was similarly moved over the past couple of days, sort of learning a bit more about where they're coming from, from their mission and the work that they're doing. But I also think that they're they're taking actions in complicated areas that also reflect that mission. One of the things that you know they're having to deal with is uh, fraud issues, you know, security attacks, you know, foreign powers, and and the way that they're handling some of that work, I think, reflects some of the mission itself. So it's not simply something that guides their communications. They actually are trying to apply it to to the actions that they take even in difficult circumstances. And I think that's, that's a, you know, if you're doing this right, that's what's got to happen. What other brands are kind of doing this well? Let's opine. We don't have to pick clients. I think Warby
3: Parker is a good example. So every time you buy a pair of glasses there, they donate it to a child who's in need of glasses. And I think that shows, like, they're living their mission of wanting the world to see better and really putting their dollars behind that.
1: I think the CPG category in general has done a really good job at – aligning to some core values and having a bigger purpose and mission. And maybe when you're selling toilet paper, that's necessary. And that's why the (laughs) category has been so good at it. But having spent a lot of my career in the P&G business, They have a strong mission around just improving lives. And I think that's something that then gives every brand something to rally around. And that's a category where I think they've pioneered some of the work around purpose-driven marketing and having a higher order for brands.
0: So, Danielle, I want to ask this of you, uh, since you are director of, what is it, Human... Not human understanding. All right. A lot of the work that you guys have been doing is sifting through lots and lots and lots and lots of data and trying to find things that we would characterize as insight, or things that we would characterize as actual intelligence. Right? Uh, In the broadest term, these nuggets that make a difference in how marketers can connect to people. How do you do that? Like, what what is the methodology, or the magic, or the or the prayer, whatever mechanism? How how does that occur?
3: Well, it's interesting because it's definitely a bit of both art and science. So, I mean, data is numbers. You clearly think science, but there's actually a lot of art that also goes in the mix. Uh, One of my favorite things of coming up with insights is actually having a a messy big data meeting. And I'm not talking about big data in the sense of the cliche term we think of with, you know, massive rows of SQL because that's not my thing at all. But what I mean by that is we actually had a team when we were conducting this research. Everyone went off and did a certain piece of research and then we met in a big room and we brought our research together and we tried to see, I uncovered this. Oh, do you have a similar Mm. insight? And that's where it really started to come together and the magic started to happen where we saw themes that were emerging.
0: Do you think that it's important that there's elements of human collaboration that are used to uncover human connection?
3: Absolutely yeah you have to have people involved to to understand why something might be. I think computers can tell us the what that is existing. there's tons of behavioral data that computers can tell us, but without that human piece, um you don't get the why and I think to build on that, you actually need diverse humans to really dig deep and understand that why. You have to make sure that you're you're representative. It can't just be people that all look the same or think the same in a room when they're discussing, well, what might be the reason behind this data point?
0: So This leads me to one of the questions I have on my 74-question list. We're never going to get to all of them, but this moment in time for women, much has been made of this, and I don't want to sort of drag us into a a whole regurgitation of, of the past eight or nine months, but where do we go next as marketers, as brands, for women and with women what What do you guys think about that right now?
3: I think you should stop calling us guys <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah uh, uh, that that'll that'll work on that's the most important thing <laughs> I mean you yeah, ask the woman question
1: <laughs> one of the things I can't take credit for, but I heard this week and I liked it, and I've repeated it a dozen times already. Is the definition of diversity versus inclusion? Diversity being, I recognize that I'm different, or you recognize that I'm different, and inclusion being, I matter. I think that's the thing is not just recognizing the difference and having those people there, but it's making sure that those people matter and that their opin- opinions are
3: heard and that they are able to influence, not just be there. Mm. Also, building on the women piece, there's actually an organization called See Her, hashtag See Her, and they have a gem index where you can add four questions to your copy testing to make sure that your advertising is actually reflecting women in a positive light. And what that means is that it's not just putting a woman in your ad, it's making sure you have women of different shapes, different sizes, Mm. different colors, as well as that you're using them in meaningful roles. I do think, though, beyond just women, that there's also a lot of stuff that we can do better around gender in our industry. So we've seen with our Gen Z work that the coming generation doesn't believe in this male-female binary, but they actually believe gender's on a spectrum. So I think we need to do better Mm. about kind of taking gender and having a little more gender neutrality in our advertising as well as dads. I think there's a lot of brands that dads are buying these products. Dads are the ones predominantly making some decisions and yet brands always come to us. We want to talk to moms and you push back, you know, dads are involved in this process and, you know, it's not always easy. So, you know, and there's a lot of white space. (laughs)
0: Just want to. <laughs> I'm not, I am not. touching the dad thing. <laughs> uh, other than to say, yes, I often buy things I don't understand.
2: I just want to build on the point that you made about making sure that you have you're, you're putting the right people on the screen and in the right situations uh, and telling like uh, real stories in that regard. But I think another point that actually came to light. Uh, this week again with Microsoft, and the way in which they 're sort of trying to institute in systematic change behind the camera as well, so from a director point of view, um, making sure that they 're having female directors, but also making sure that the people who are leading their marketing has a, a diverse voice as well yeah
3: yeah, and actually building on that, one of the other things when we talked about earlier, how brands have to really live what they 're putting out there. If a brand is not paying their female employees at the same rate they're paying their male employees, they really have no business playing in, we're going to put out a gender equality ad. Because there's too much open information now, and once they get turned on that, it doesn't work.
0: Yeah, that should rule several out. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so, last uh, last two questions, if you don't mind. The first one, you know, much has been made around generational differences in terms of the import of mission-driven ba- brands or... Um, how active brands should or should not be. How much of this is true? How much, like from a factual data-oriented perspective, uh, how much of that is sort of invented or, or created or mythical? You know, what are the realities of, of that divide?
1: I mean, the thing that we found in recent research that we had done is that millennials, for example, the majority of them, 80%, will favor brands that have certain beliefs or that are belief-based brands. So a Patagonia, for example, is very endearing to millennials. And this is something we've always known. Then if you start to compare that to the next generation of Gen Z, that generation has taken it one step further. And it's not just about favoring belief-based brands, but they feel that brands need to be change agents for good.
2: Hence why, uh, if you're being cynical, why... Nike supported uh, Kaepernick. They know who their core audience is. Sure. Exactly. And they know what they
0: want. Well, and where there may have been weaknesses vis a vis other brands.
3: Talking about the generational piece, I think it's important to not forget boomers because I think when we say baby boomers, a lot of times people are picturing this little house on the prairie or, you know, happy days, like white picket fence. But really the baby boomers were the protesters. They were the hippie generation. And so we can't think that, oh, if we do purpose-driven marketing, that we're going to alienate our baby boomers because they were doing purpose-driven marketing before advertising was.
0: Let's be clear. These people sold out and started hedge funds. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a smaller percent. (laughs) I don't know. So last question. Let's sort of look past the midterm uh, elections, which is difficult, obviously, because it dominates sort of all of what we hear uh, going on at the moment. but let's look past it. A lot of times we can get past an election, it gives you kind of smooth sailing or or smoother sailing to sort of establish or launch or get you know uh, an ability to break through the clutter because things will have calmed down a bit before the next kind of cycle. In this particular case, That is definitely, definitely, definitely not going to happen. So you could make a significant argument that the day we get past the elections, it is going to be absolutely bananas, whether it's implications of the Russia investigation and Mueller, plus the presidential race will literally start at midnight on Election Day uh, 2018. So... What advice do you have for brands getting through that from a messaging perspective, but also getting through that from a clutter perspective? Because one of the sort of unintended consequences of the all-time, always-on, permanent campaign is that it's really hard to break through with anything else. So what, what advice would you have?
3: I think it goes back to being real. Be true to the values that you have. You know, don't just try to pick issues because they're all of a sudden coming up in the news and you think they're hot-button issues. You know, stay true to who you've always been as a brand, who, what you think your consumers care about. And then when it comes to the clutter piece, I think, again, being real, being human, not creating advertisements that are just there for the sake of advertising, but actually thinking about creating human experiences that really connect to users that, you know, have been tested and show, you know, these work. I think that's really what breaks through the clutter is that actual human connection.
2: The clutter is something we battle constantly. Mm. Attention is a subject that we are talking about on a day-to-day basis and getting people's attention and holding that attention and putting that attention to work for the benefit of our clients. The way that we do that is we attach our clients' brand purpose to our audience's needs. We find that point when we can be of service to them, be that entertainment, some kind of utility. That's when we will re- be top of mind and relevant to our audience. That's the way in which we get cut through. Mm.
3: Or oh, I like the way you said that much better than the way I said it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So you're allowed to
0: stay. I'm gone. The guys thing completely, like I'm excommunicated from the church, but you can hang around. (laughs) So thanks again. I really appreciate it. And uh, I look forward to uh, more conversations in the future. Brilliant. Thank you. Yeah. So that's it for us today. I can't thank you enough for listening. And please do look for us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your pods. Please subscribe. Please leave a comment. We would love to hear it. We'll be back next week. Thanks so much, everybody. Bye-bye.